Yeah, let me start my watch. Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. Today we'll be exploring an oral history interview with Albert M. Chop. Actually, we won't have Albert M. Chop here. Uh, this is from 1999. And joining us is Dr. Bill. Welcome, Bill. How are you? Hey. I hear hey, it's uh, 68 degrees or 60. How, what is it out there? Uh, it was 63. In, so in Florida? Cold. Yeah, it's cold. It's freezing. I know. That's, that's why they say, well, is it 70? And, and, and Yeah, it's supposed to be 75 here. It was like 85. Okay. Well, we're done, nice. with the, done with the weather report, and we've talked about our our boys. And uh, tell us about Mr. Chop, Bill. What's his uh, – I know he, he came – he was a reporter turned Pentagon uh, evaluator of, you know, the $100 hammer or something. Oh, yeah, he was uh... – he was a reporter, and he became the uh, main PR guy for Project Blue Book when he was at the Pentagon. And he was there primarily when, um, beginning at the beginning of Project Blue Book, and he interacted extensively with uh, David Kehoe. This could also sort of be a, like part two for the Flying Saucers from Outer Space book for Kehoe. This is what led into... Uh, trying to learn about Albert Chop and what what we have we have an oral history interview that was posted online that I guess we're we're going to talk about. Let's talk about that. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a little phlegmy. Oh, that's that's great. You don't have the covid, do you, Bill? Yeah, I'm muting and coughing. You got your shot? I'm half a vac. I'm half a vac. Well, which one did you get? I forget. You did tell me. Uh, same one you got, Moderna. Moderna. You got Moderna. You didn't get. You didn't feel even a little ill. Uh, I don't know. I was have. I felt a little sort of. I felt a little crap. I felt mildly, really mildly crappy, for yeah. a couple of days. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. I can't yeah, wait for the second one. Get yeah. it in the other arm. Get it in the <laughs> other arm. <laughs> so what do you do? You sit. That chair is only designed. What do you got to do? Like it's only designed for to get it one way. I think. Isn't it? Well, they um, they, they turn it around. To, you give it. They prefer to give it in the opposite arm. That usually, you're, if you're right-handed, they they give vaccines in the left shoulder. Right. Your shoulder gets sore. Just tell them I'm left-handed. I need yeah, my just, right arm. Just, the 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 guy that gave me the shot. He says, "Which shoulder do you want it?" And they had two chairs. You can sit in one or the other. Yeah. Depending. Uh, oh, I, I just get uh, my son got it in the same shoulder, the second yeah. shot just the other day. He says it was really sore afterwards. Yeah. So get it, get it in the opposite shoulder. All right. So enough of COVID reporting. So Mr. Yeah. Chop. Uh, yeah, he was a reporter. He got pulled into. He was working. Uh, he was a PR guy for the Air Force at Wright Patterson. Yeah. And he ended up working with the Air Technical Intelligence Center, which was the clearinghouse for UFO reports with the Air Force. And one of the things, did you know the Air Technical Intelligence Center's primary mission was to keep track of technolo technological advancements in regards to aircraft flight? In to, for the Air Force, for the military, to make sure that the U.S. military maintained its edge in um, uh, aircraft. Over our adversaries, like Russia, which yeah. is their adversary. Yeah, yeah. Russia and really? whoever. Yeah, and that's, oh, no that's, yeah, I saw that. I was reading that. And I, and I think that's why the uh, UFO reports went to the ATIC. 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 Because... Um, you know, it, they were originally viewed as uh, potentially advanced aircraft. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And um, let's see, what was was he going on? So he was there. Chop was with um, <clears throat> with the with the, at Wright Patterson. He was a PR guy, and then he got pulled into the um, Pentagon because they wanted. Um, a single voice for the story of the UFO. What was happening is that they were having different people in different parts of the country were, were giving their, I guess, their 
information to the press and or expressing their opinions and the Pentagon wanted to control the information that was going out to a single source. He became that single source at the Pentagon. So ATIC didn't have its own press desk. He was the Pentagon. Well, he was he was the ATIC uh, go-to guy. Yeah. And what they did is it just wasn't him, but there was like people, at, I think, at the Pentagon that were saying stuff. And then there were people at uh, the Air Force bases on the West Coast would come out and they would talk about this stuff. And, of course, the Pentagon's just like, no, we need to have a single voice on this topic. We can't have 10 different people telling 10 different you know, viewpoints on it. But right. It's, you you, you got to expect them to do that. So, so he was mo- yeah, he was moved to the Air Force press desk at the Pentagon in uh, 1951. So some of the things that um, he's moved to that, and then he would go out. I know one of the, um, I don't know if you want to talk about any of the incidents. Remember the um, incident with the radar? He got waking up in the middle of the night to go down because there were. They, oh, this is actually, that's, that's actually really cool. So that brings us back to the. Um, the movie that we talked about that's on YouTube. Right. And the, the movie was uh, UFOs, The True Story of Flying Saucers, 1956. And in that movie, it's a motion picture, Chop was directly involved in uh, making it. And one of the things that he, um, he said in this interview is they asked him, how accurate that movie was and he said it's very this is his words he goes it's very accurate it's extremely accurate and that was one of the requirements for when his involvement in it right was that they maintain journalistic standards at the time and what's uh so they in that movie sort of recapitulate it says uh there was two there was two movies shown. There was one where you can see two flying saucers sort of going across the sky behind a um, water tower. And another one where you have a bunch of them sort of uh, meandering around in the sky and then one of them flies off. So interestingly on that, I was reading an article uh, in this magazine that I keep mentioning. The True Report on Flying Saucers from 1966. And there's an article by Ruppelt in there. Now, Captain Ruppelt was the um, Project Blue Book head at ATAC at Wright-Patterson. Right. He reported to General... God, what was that guy's oh, name? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He... Yeah. And the movie, it's the, the guy that was always pissed off, yeah. you know? He was well, always going to fire. He's pissed off, and he's always firing Rupelt, you know. But yeah. yet, Rupelt would do something crazy cool, and he'd bring him back. Um, Is it uh, General, Major General Samford? Yes, or? that's it, Samford. Yeah. So yeah, Samford. Samford. So yeah, yeah. Rupelt. Uh, you know, so he would Chop would go to Ru, had a relationship with Rupelt, right? Who was with Blue Book? Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that, coming back to uh, the Flying Saucer and the Kehoe book, people thought that Kehoe had special, this is according to the, the interview with uh, Chop. And this, I should, we should say that this interview was, took place in 1999 when Chop was uh, 83 years old. Yes. And he, um, and, and he's, he's, not, so he's no pretty sharp for, he's pretty sharp for 83, I gotta say. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely with it. So the movie coming, which so we should come back. We're talking about the the general chop. Oh, Kehoe, Kehoe special access. Every all these reporters thought that Kehoe had special access with the Air Force. Chop was saying he didn't. No, but he was standing on Chop's decks three times a week, waiting yeah, for information. Said, <laughs> yeah. Well, he he kept saying in the interview. He said it a few times. He said that um, Kehoe. This was his job 100% of the time. Yep. Yep. He said, he said that was Kehoe's job. He said, I just do this kind of, I'll get a call from Cincinnati or I'll get a call from, uh, you know, Denver. But Kehoe, you know, for a few times a month or a year or whatever, and it's like Kehoe, that was his whole 100% of the, like you said, 100% time. That's all he did. And he worked for, 
True Magazine, right? True Magazine, yep. And so, but there's another thing that came out in the uh, the article that was interesting. The official policy at the Pentagon was if a reporter asked for a report on a specific sighting, they would give it to the reporter. But the reporter had to ask specifically for a specific report. And apparent and Kehoe had um, a clipping service. So for people that don't know what a clipping service is before the internet, they probably still have clipping services. You could, they had um, companies that would buy all the newspapers and magazines in the country, and they would cut out the articles from these these magazines and newspapers. And at the time, there was sixteen hundred, I think, newspapers in the country in the fifties in the U.S. And everything wasn't channeled through three different news sources. So you basically, or you basically get the same story in hundreds of newspapers. This is like hundreds of thousands of 1600, hundreds of newspapers with hundreds of thousands, thousands of reporters all writing independent articles. So he had a clipping service and the clipping service cuts articles and categorizes them. So he had, uh, Kehoe had subscribed to a clipping service, which would give him uh, would mail him, I guess, uh, report daily reports on UFO sightings. So he would immediately, I don't know, they might have called him. He might have been able to just call him up and tell me what you got. Right. So he would immediately, he'd have all the specific information from the local newspaper. He would go to CHOP and he'd say, uh, I want the a, a, ATIC report on this sighting that happened in uh, you know Montana on the 23rd. Right. And because of the policy with with the Pentagon, if a reporter specifically asked for a report on a sighting, they would give him the report. So he, I don't think Kehoe knew this, but he had developed an in, his a personal inside track on these reports from the Pentagon. And other reporters were like, how does he, he's got special he's got special relationship with the uh, with the Pentagon because they give him everything he asked for. So I thought that was an interesting policy. It's like, yeah, we'll give you anything you want. It's like the Freedom of Information Act now. Yeah, they'll give you anything you want as long as you ask for it. Why did it seem so hush? I mean, remember growing everything was a secret, and they didn't, you know, it didn't seem like these were was what we got. What we got, there wasn't anything that wasn't said. Of course, there was, right? Yeah, I mean, then you got to come back. Well, chop. Well, there's a couple things. I just uh, picked up and read a little bit in uh, it's also in the article but edward j rupelt actually wrote a book called report on identified flying saucers and he has a lengthy article in this this true magazine report on flying saucers right he insists that the pentagon wasn't hide was not hiding anything he says they're completely open they're not hiding any secrets kehoe on the other hand and we both have this uh, copy of his third book, which is The Flying Saucer Conspiracy. Kehoe in that book, which we haven't read, so I'm speaking it you know, without knowledge, uh, addresses, apparently in that book, addresses the uh, cone of silence that he believes is, is in place with the government and the Pentagon that is hiding and not revealing all information. And he also reports that in another book I just picked up, which was the UFO evidence, right? Uh, which was by uh, Kehoe's organization that the National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomenon. And in here he has a chapter on uh, background of s secrecy of the Air Force investigation, official regulations, history analysis of the official UFO investigation. That's uh, so you have two different camps. You have Rupelt, whose book and his article. Rupelt's he seems yeah, reading his words and reading his books a little bit. He seems like a guy that you would like. Yeah, he's like somebody. He's like somebody that you would enjoy talking to, and you'd feel like you'd get sort of a straight answer. He says there's no secrecy, but he was only a captain. So if there's secrecy. And you don't know how far he was and how 
you know, how much access he had to information. So I'm saying there's potentially there's there's a lot of secrecy involved. Well, the CIA, I mean, remember the CIA came and asked Chop, he thought Chop had told the media that the CIA was involved in these, somehow in these saucer sightings. Of course, Chop said, I didn't even know anything about the CIA. So the CIA, there's a level of information that's being released at the captain level. Yeah. And the general, and the general level, and then, of course, laterally, probably, the CIA and higher. Not laterally, but higher. The CIA is involved in certain things that we may ever, never know about. Probably, we'll never know about, regardless of our, you know, freedom of in, recent freedom of information act, which most reports are redacted so badly you can't read them. <laughs> well, I'm I'm hoping that by uh, so basically what we're doing is we're just we're sort of doing like a historical investigation. Yep. And by looking into. Uh, Kehoe's reasoning to what sort of secrecy is going on, we might be able to get some answers, but it's going to take a little bit of uh, digging, and I, the, the information may be out there. One of the things, you want to talk about secrecy, so I just started reading the uh, uh, Ruppelt's book, and in the very first chapter, he talks about a fighter aircraft that actually shot at a UFO, engaged a UFO, and shot at it. Yeah. Officially, the Pentagon would, would never admit or say that they did anything about that. And one of the big issues that came out in the book Flying Saucers from Outer Space was the there was a big brouhaha in the press and at the Pentagon about uh, shoot-down orders. They thought people there was a big pushback by the public that when they thought that the Pentagon had shoot down orders for UFOs and the Pentagon came out and said, no, no, we don't have that. And we want to make sure that everybody knows we don't have uh, shoot to kill orders for, for UFOs. Well, they're not doing, they're not doing anything. They're just flying around. You well, know, I mean, first, First page, first couple pages in Ruppelt's book, he talks about an incident where a fighter aircraft engaged and shot at a UFO. And what happened was he he was requested by a guy at an Air Force base to come out and um, said, I, I want you to look at a report. So he goes out to this, flies out to the base, goes to the off goes to the guy's office. The guy pulls the report out of the safe, says, read the report. The report details this pilot who chased a UFO and shot at it. Wow. His commanding officer afterwards, his commanding officer, and this is a UFO, I think, that was sighted on, on it was sighted on radar and it was pursued by two jets. Then they lost it on radar. When one plane went high, one went low, and the low plane saw the UFO again, high above the radar beam and below the radar beam because it has a cone. Right. Saw the UFO. Uh, didn't have any contact with uh, his wingman or the radar station, so he decided just to shoot at it, and it you know, flew off once he shot at it. But <laughs> he chased it when off. He got, but when he got back and he filed his report, his his uh, wing commander said he was uh, he was nuts, and this was bullshit. And told him and told the uh, the guy, the intelligence guy that gave Ruppelt the report uh, to destroy the report. But this guy wanted before he destroyed it, he wanted Ruppelt to read it, and Ruppelt read it, and then the report was destroyed. So you want to talk about secrecy? This might. This is a. This is a level of secrecy, wow. right there. Yeah, that is. And that is like, crazy. It's. A, it's a wild story. And Ruppelt, um It even gets. It's, that's just the first few pages of this book. I haven't read anything else in it. But what's interesting about the Ruppelt book is there was a, another copy that came out later in this. Uh, the first edition came out in 1956, and then it came out again, I think, in 1965. And this is mentioned in the CHOP interview, which is, which was interesting, because the 65 or 65 edition of Ruppelt's book, Ruppelt had been dead for five years, 
they added an uh there's three additional chapters in the second edition of Rupelt's book, which is like a recantation of something. So they possibly delete. I mean, he's dead. They so they, he's dead, but he somehow three extra chapters showed up in the reprint of his book that negates things that he said in the first 17 chapters. Oh, wow. I wonder. Well, we'll, well, we'll find out. I just ordered, I found a, a second edition that has the additional three chapters. And it's tricky because uh, I talked to a, a bookseller in Washington State who had 20 copies of this book. And I said, I want, um, I already have a copy that has 17 chapters. So I said, I want a copy of the book with 20 chapters in it. And this book publish, this bookseller is like, yeah, you know, that's been, this has been a major pain for me because when you look at these books they look the same but one will have uh, the older edition has 17 chapters and the newer edition looks identical to the older edition but it has 20 chapters oh, bizarre. So, and, then there's, and then there's a paperback that has the 17 chapters were so you said, able to get the twenty? Were you able to get? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. It's gonna. It's it's on its way. I bought it. Uh, people, but you got to be careful when you buy this book because you don't know which one you're going to get. You might get the one with twenty chapters. You might get the one, and it seems like the people that the booksellers charge more for the one with twenty chapters, but all of them, it's you don't know which one you're going to get. Yeah, I would say the cheaper ones are. You know the 17 chapters and the more expensive ones they make a many of the booksellers make a point of selling it at a higher premium oh this bookseller said the only way that she was able to tell the difference initially between the 17 and the 20 chapter book was that if it had a book uh book cover right um, it would say on that that it had uh, it was an updated version but it didn't say updated in the book itself. It's sort of an odd thing. It might just be nothing. But I'm wondering how a guy that had been dead for five years was able to add three additional chapters to his to his book. Oh, weird. And, and the uh, the first book is you can find it online at archive.org or something. Um, it's out of copyright, so the you can people can find the first book online to read for free. Yeah, but I want the one with all the chapters in it. No, the one yeah. with only 17 chapters. I'm just curious about what the last three chapters say. And well, that's do, a bit... What? Do you think he left... That's, that they Was it printed without those originally? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it I'm, was there, but they didn't print the last three on I purpose? Don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the forward will be a little different, and it will explain why those are additional three chapters. And I won't yeah. know until I get... Um, until I get the book, which should arrive, you know, in a week or so. Who knows? So let's talk a little bit about the incident of the... So Chopkin's waking up in the middle of the night. He goes down. I mean, this is where he just... This is was, this was a turning point. He didn't really believe in UFOs. Yeah. So he gets waking up in the middle of the night to go down to... They didn't say the where he exactly went. But on the radar scope, there were, I think... Four UFOs, two fighter jets, or no, a fighter jet, and the fighter jet would, well, when the fighter jet would fly into the area, the UFOs would disperse, and they said in one sweep of the radar scope, you know, a jet will only barely move, but they said in one sweep with this thing, that the UFOs would move an inch or so. So they said it was a phenomenal speed, and, and it was apparent that these things were real and real fast. Yeah. And then later, the jet does a, a maneuver, flies around, flies right into the middle of him, scares the shit out of him. And, uh, you know, what do I, yeah, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do, I do? And, uh, and nobody in that room, they'd already, they, they had a lot of press there. they shoot out the press earlier. Yeah. And uh, they, everybody kind of looked at each other like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, well, they, you know, they just randomly dispersed. And, um, you know, it was like he, you know, I don't know what happened with the debrief with him, but that was a, 
that was the turning point with Chop when he said, "Now, I, now I am a believer." You know, there's something up there, and these things aren't from here. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a big turning point for him. I love the uh, pilot going, "What do I do?" When there yeah. was four of them all around. Yeah. Him. And that actually, one of the things that uh, Rupelt said in that article that I read for that sighting, he says, well, they um, they were saying that there wasn't a temperature inversion, but if you looked at other weather stations around the area, there was a, a temperature aversion, inversion that could cause, uh, <clears throat> you know, a false radar signal. And, um, but he doesn't talk about the, the uh, pilot seeing him. I got to hang on. He doesn't talk about the pilot seeing him, seeing the, the things. But Rupert, Rupelt, so Rupert, Ruprecht, Rupelt, Rupelt wasn't there. Rupelt was in Ohio at the time. He came in the day afterwards. Yep. So he wasn't there in the radar room. He wasn't there for, for all the stuff that happened. The reporters also got really um, pissed off that they got kicked out of the radar room. And I, I, and they go, well, it's because of secrecy. And I'm thinking that's, um, I don't know what jets they had. I don't, I don't think that the, uh, the speed that the jets were able to achieve when they kicked on their afterburners was public knowledge, and it might have been considered uh, classified. So that's why they kicked the reporters out because they don't want them to know how fast the jets could move when they kicked in their afterburners. Right. Well, well, yeah. It, as far as the temperature inversion, Chop said we had experience in this. He called bullshit on that. He says that it wasn't what that was. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the radar operators they know what temperature inversions look like. They're not they're not going to be fooled by that stuff. You know, so it's, it's you know it's apparent that they you know to him that these things were you know um, and he was actually fi- I don't know like. Look, or life called him the next. I don't know. Rupel oh, the came reporter. In. Yeah, the reporter got, got pissed because he got kicked out. Yeah, kicked out of the, yeah. And goes, his, I'm gonna get you fired. Yeah, then they, you know, he called in and told him that. And so he just transferred the call. He handed the phone to his boss, who's right there, and uh, he just laughed and said, "Yeah, you'll be fired." To yeah. the reporter, yeah, you know. Well, Life Life Magazine was a big deal then. Life Magazine was equivalent of, I don't know what the biggest news organization is now. Um, I have, no, maybe it's like, maybe it's like a key reporter from the New York Times or something demanding something so people listen. Life was, Life Reporter obviously felt he had a lot of weight behind him, but yeah, yeah no. Um, so, so then there was a the president's interest, Truman. Yeah, you know he was interested. He could. Um, I don't know. Presidents are interested, and presidents will say, as this says, uh, they'll say this thing's we're yeah. I'll be. Re- I'm going to look into this, and I'm going to report to the public of what exactly is going on. And at some point. Um, they don't do it. Why do you think? What? Why do you think that is? You mean the the president? Yeah, President Truman, or who, you know, there's Barry I, I, Goldwater. I don't, I don't, Barry Goldwater. He yeah, saw a UFO. I think he said he was going to bring everything to public. Um, back in the day. Um, I, I don't. One of the things that that. It, at the end of uh, Rupelt's article in the True True Magazine, is that he said he says either flying saucers are are from outer space or real or they don't exist. And I don't know. Uh, the The main reason is because most of the data on flying saucers is through personal obs- observations, people seeing them. And one of the things they keep pushing in, um, like in Kehoe's books, and Rupelt pushes this, and the report, the big report that he just picked up, they they push the profession professionalism of the people that do the sightings. They're pilots, they're engineers, they're radar operators, you know, scientists. 
uh, Rupelt apparently has seen has seen a UFO and has seen a Foo Fighter. What Rupelt is was, what is the difference? I thought a Foo Fighter was a UFO. What is there? Uh, Foo Fighter is a little different, and I want to. I have to finish doing. Uh, I'm putting something together, and and we'll talk. Let's talk okay. about that when I put. I'll, okay. I'll send you what I put together, and and then we'll talk about it. But I, okay. I have a few more things to do, and I have some ideas. I have some thought. I have some thoughts. You have some thoughts. Deep thoughts. Um, but Rupelt has act. He said he'd actually seen a UFO, and then he saw a Foo Fighter when he was bombing Japan. He was a B twenty nine bombardier in World War Two. And Goldwater saw it. I think uh, I think Eisenhower might have even seen a UFO at some point. Yeah, the article says Carter was one that I don't know that was going to make it public. Carter, yeah, yeah. Carter. You know, he uh, didn't Carter. do it though. He didn't do it. He's like, no. So at some point, somebody is telling him. I've heard it's plausible deniability. They said can't tell you because you know it's just too much. It's, it's too it's much for book. you to know. <laughs> it's it's the book of secrets, the presidential book of secrets. Yeah, and it's uh, you know eventually you know we're going to see. And then there was a Senator Russell who had a sighting in Russia in 1955, and uh, yeah, Goldwater would you know down in Arizona saw one, and none of these guys can. And I know a lot of senators, not a lot of senators. There are senators that have. They want to go into Area 51. They want to poke around. They want to see what's there. And they'll, nah, nah. They don't even let them in. They allegedly, oh, yeah. allegedly, yeah. you know. Yeah, there are some programs that they don't allow politicians to see because they know they can't keep keep it quiet. Rupelt also uh, one of the things he said in the article. You know the green fireballs. Yeah. He said that's a genuine sighting. He doesn't think that was sort of a classical UFO, but that was some sort of phenomenon, the green fireball thing. And the fireballs traveled horizontal. They didn't like they weren't like meteors coming down and they weren't flying around, but they were horizontal green fireballs going over overhead. He says that was a a genuine phenomenon with a lot of witnesses. So it's... well I'm looking for I'm looking forward to reading more in his book. I want to see what's what's going on with him. I think he's giving a decent assessment, and I also want to find out why the why the three recanting chapters. What's going on with those? Yeah, that's interesting because yeah. well, well, the green fireballs they have a high rate of speed, or were they swamp gas? Were they just floating. They weren't, they weren't. They weren't swamp gas. I don't. I think they were moving at a decent speed, but they um, a lot of people saw them, and they saw them over multiple nights. But it's a genuine phenomenon, and it's it's. He said it was not uh, a, you know, there's there's no question in his mind that it was a genuine event that occurred. They have no information about what it is or what it was, and there's a, a local scientist at the university that studies meteorites had witnessed it. He didn't know what it was. I don't have any more information on that. I'd have to look into it. The um, we should oh the movies that were in the uh, the movies that were in the true story saucers. A lot of people were saying that the second movie with the the objects moving around, sort of churning in the sky. The common uh, criticism of that is saying that it's seagulls. Really? And, yeah. Um, but there's, yeah, it, apparently it's been analyzed extensively. They're saying it's not, but I have to say I've seen seagulls that, that the pattern sort of looks similar. So it right. makes me wonder. Uh, Rupelt has watched the movie 97 times, he said. Wow. And uh, he didn't know what to make of it. Didn't know if it was, you know, didn't even, didn't think it was birds until he had, he had been told that it could be seagulls, and he's like, "Yeah, it could be seagulls." Well, he and was, the, uh, yeah, he, he was uh, Heineck's sidekick in this blue book thing, right? This the officer, as in case. Yeah, well, in the um, in the in the, in the, in the movie, in the, in the show, is that real? Was it really? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have to. I I want to get into Heineck's books. Uh, 
but that's yeah down the road i have lost my mind when it comes to these books i have i got too many books i think i ordered like uh five more uh i just completely lost my mind with these books what what we're trying to what i what i visualize us attempting to do here is kind of gather the history like one of the yeah yeah one of the i mean i started this out by being you know like a sci-fi kind of thing and then if you can look on the internet it's described in some areas as a history podcast and it kind of is i mean in many respects in well, most respects you know that's, that's where we're we're sort of going at that point and i gotta say one of the the approaches that i always took with my my science my scientific research is um you have people that you, 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 you get something, you want to look into a certain area of research. You want to look into a particular topic and you can't just start out, you know, with no information. And uh, what you need to do is you, you look at a particular topic and then you sort of research in science. What I do personally is you research the history of that topic and you go back to the older and older papers and see where things started how they progressed and what happened, and quite often you'll you'll find uh, uh, very uh, very bizarre things that you'll see uh, with assumptions that people make, and then it's just like someone will make someone will screw up in a, a paper in the past, and then it just gets propagated, yeah, because because people haven't analyzed the, the what's going on. And then they just look at this paper and go, Oh, this is what they say. This is the way it is. But then when you go back and you look at it, so no, this has, this isn't true. I mean, this is, this is slightly different. So I think that's what I'm trying to do or what we're trying to do with this is that you go back at the beginning, which we, we've gone back to 1947. Yeah. And we're slowly, because there's a ton of information. We're slowly moving forward in time to see, um, what's going on. And the information that I have so far uh, is from 1949 to 1966 or 69, I think with a couple of these, these uh, UFO magazines from true. And it's, uh, I mean, it's a process. There's a lot of reading to do. There's, um, and it's funny. Cause I look at these, I look at these, like, I thought this was going to be a joke. I thought this was just going to, oh, I'll look at this and this will be, uh, this will be fun. I'll look at it. I'll be able yeah. to laugh. Yeah. But reading Kehoe's first book and, and verifying the information in the book and the people and stuff. And it's, it's no joke. I mean, it's, uh, Kehoe's a true believer and he believes that flying saucers from outer space. And I think that's a weakness on his part, but this, you know, he's an honest writer. He's not making stuff up. He's not pretending to you know, see things or blow things out of proportion to, to make a buck. He's a true believer that's trying to find answers. Although he's uh, predisposed, 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 predisposed in believing, um, that UFOs are from outer space. And uh, Ruppelt says, yeah, they're from outer space or they're nothing, is what his opinion was. Well, that's why I like this interview, because we're hearing it right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And, you know, Chop says, you know, like you said, if they ask us for the information, the press, then we give it to them. If they yeah. specifically ask for something. you know, Specifically ask for a specific sighting. It's... Yeah. it's uh, it's a it's a sneaky way of being open. Yeah. It's like we'll give you anything you want if you ask the right question. Yes, you must ask the right question. Good question. Yes. But so Kehoe took it serious and took it very seriously. Rupelt Belt believed something was going on. The thing with the UFO just in the first few pages of his book where a fighter pilot shoots at a UFO is awesome. And I, that's not BS. He's reporting it as he's, he's not somebody who's going to make this crap up. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I see where chop is stating in his, 
they look like seagulls, like you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think it's a possibility. So, and also they said that uh, Ruppelt also said that the two objects in the in the area where the first two objects were seen going past the water tower in that movie, there were two F-94s were known to be in the area. That said, uh, the UFO evidence book that I got, which is put together UFO sightings by uh, Kehoe's organization. It's got a very, very uh, serious scientific board and, and people on this this organization at the time they don't think it was seagulls they think it was you you know they don't think it was anything you couldn't attribute it to balloons or signals or seagulls or anything like that they think it was genuinely uh ufos i i'm going to put a question mark for both those movies until you know i want to read a little more in the ufo evidence book and maybe watch them a few more times the thing that you you can look at with that movie and say um, that it did occur and the thing that's genuine definitely genuine in that movie is the intercept by the fighter aircraft which is surrounded by four objects and he says you know what do i do yeah that's crazy yeah so you can't uh you can't discount that and there are numerous reports and they're documented of uh, fighter jets being directed towards a UFO, the fighter jet pilot seeing the UFO, getting a target lock with their you know radar on the UFO. I mean, how do you explain how do you explain that? What are they seeing? And it all comes down to the question of obviously it's it's they're dealing with advanced technology or some sort of amazing natural phenomenon which nobody's been able to figure out it in uh, how long has it been since 1950 1947 uh, 70 years yeah hey one of the things that I want to talk about is uh, propulsion UFO propulsion yes let's discuss um, that yes let's talk about UFO in the in the flying saucers from outer space book he has a chapter where he talks about uh, that UFOs using electromagnetic propulsion. Right. And in the UFO evidence book, they have, um, they talk about that too, although I haven't read that. I, it's just, I was thinking about that in comparison with what Bob Lazar had said about uh, the Star Trek style propulsion uh, with the, you know, warp, gravity warping or whatever like that. It's also, if you come back to the, uh, what we mentioned last week about the um, the movie Close Encounters, All right? They're showing the electromagnetic effects of UFOs, supposedly. So that's one of the things that people people have reported on that they think that these the UFOs are using electromagnetic propulsion. Yeah, Lazar, I think, said something about the way it works uh, because so you don't get liquefied into a bulkhead when the thing takes off. Well, yeah, that, you have to. You know, it, it, it actually pulls inside the ship, like I know, inside the yeah. ship it stays like you and I are sitting there. And yeah. then outside the ship it's being actually pulled. Something happens electromagnetically, Wait. like you said. It's actually being pulled so it doesn't affect the, the inside of the ship so that you know yeah, they can have, you know go ahead think yeah, they're, they're warping they're warping space or something so yeah it's folding i don't know like a wormhole in front of the ship so i don't know micro wormhole i don't know it was so the interview was so bizarre that it was you know you, like i said you well, listen it, it sounded i mean it's it you know it sounded very um it, it sounded star trekky which was okay yeah. The, one of one of the things that I saw, I, I don't know where I read it, but they were talking about. Uh, it's probably one of the Rupelt articles, but they were talking about. Uh, they felt that within a ten to twenty years, that we would be able to manipulate gravity. So, like we manipulate uh, gravity is one of the 
the forces. You got magnetism, electricity, and gravity, and we can we can manipulate obviously magnetism, electricity, and the the equations for magnetism and electricity resemble the equations that you can use for gravity. So they're like, well, of course, we'll be able to do um, gravity in the future, and we haven't. Yeah, and that may be uh, that's where. Lazar comes in is this I think for highly advanced and and these warp drive you see these articles that come out every once in a while about speculative warp drives which are theoretically possible a lot of them depend on manipulation of, of creating you know warping space creating you know, right whatever intense gravity or something to involve propulsion and that hasn't happened yet as far but, as we, as far as we know yeah as far as we know and uh, I think that's, I think we've, what else do we, is there more to cover in the? Um... Yeah, it has a, there was a sighting in, uh, by a, two Air Force Brigadier colonels who were flying over the Rocky Mountains in uh, yeah. Carson City, Nevada. And um, they had a UFO underneath them and they were flying above it and they asked the fighters, I guess they probably yeah. had escorts and they asked permission to fire at it. And, uh, the in, it was flying over an inhabited area, so they, uh, you know, they're yeah. they're just you know they were explaining that this sighting, you know, I don't know, it's just crazy that I still say why don't if we walk in and ask about the Roswell incident, I guess they would just say, well, it was weather balloons. That's your answer. So we'll give you the answer. It's weather balloons, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, this thing uh, just, you know, goes on and on. Um, yeah, as far as the interview, did you read the entire... Uh, yeah, I, I read the whole thing. Um, I'm just, I'm, look, I'm looking it over. I'm, I've, I've highlighted some things. Um, he talks about the letter he wrote to Kehoe's publisher upset him because he was Kehoe wasn't supposed to publish it. They talk about his involvement with the movie. Um, he's when he made them when he got involved in the movie, he told him I would be interested providing he would present an honest picture, not try to dress it up, not put any hoaxes in it. Oh, and they go, did you make any money from that? He goes, of course not. You know, Hollywood keeps double books. Yeah, it's like uh, David Chappelle. You know, he had the Chappelle show on Netflix. Yeah. And he asked Netflix to take it off because, you know, they do the double book thing. And he's his contract says he gets a portion of the profits, but they never make a profit. Yeah. Or we never made a penny on it. But we sold yeah. it to we sold it to Netflix for a lot of money. And actually, I, it's very nice of Netflix to pull it because, I mean, David, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. So he got he says he got 5% of nothing on the profits of the movie. Um, and he talks about Dewey, who's this guy, uh, who was, you had, uh, Chop, and he would get reports directly from Dewey and, or Rupelt to give to Kehoe. Right. And Dewey, Dewey was, um, I think a level above, I think he was a major, I think he was a level above, um, Rupelt at the Pentagon. And he said that uh, Dewey was a true believer. He he's one of these guys at the Air Force that believed UFOs were a genuine uh, sp from space. Right. I'm trying to look up trying to look up his information. His, Dewey, I think, is his first name. And these interviewers said they were they wanted to get an introduction from Chop to talk to him. And he lived in Louisiana. He's dead now. I looked him up. Uh, I don't think they ever, I looked at their site and uh, they never got a chance to, they never interviewed him. I guess they never were able to get in touch with him. He would have been fascinating to um, interview. And I'm looking for his name. Yeah. I can't see it. It's Dewey something. And that's Dewey. the unfortunate part of this. Is a lot of these people are dead. So, you know, we're never really yeah. going to, you know, at least Chop was made it through to be able to, um, you know, give his story of what, you know he's seen. Yeah, it's um, a great. It's a great interview. It's a, it's a it's a great historical document. Uh, the guy that Dewey is a 
he was a major, former major U.S. States Air Force monitor of official Air Force UFO program, uh, Dewey J. Fournette. Uh, and they never, they never interviewed him. Uh, oh, another thing that, that I'm interested in is uh, ra- radiation. Radiation. Yeah. Um, Ruppelt's book has a chapter on radiation, on evidence of radiation. And he says something. I haven't read it. Let me see what it says. Phrase Air Force, Dark Ages. Uh, uh, chapter 15, the radiation story. So I, I'm looking forward to see what's going on with that. And the uh, UFO evidence book also has uh, a section on physical evidence and radiation. So there's there's more to look at. But so, it's a process. It's so a process. he ended up with so he ended up at Douglas Aircraft, and then he went to Rockwell. It's chop and, and NASA. And he ended up at NASA. NASA, NASA for a while. So he's I mean he's not he's not uh, he's a solid solid reporter, solid press guy. He's not someone to be. Uh, uh, yeah, well he's off. he's kind of a press guy that you know has ended up with at uh, a press guy that kind of got interested. It was a non-believer that ended up you know, being a true believer in this thing, you know? So, well, well he I also don't know. Said, it's crazy. I don't know. I haven't seen these reports. I don't know. He said, uh, Conrad, the astronaut Conrad had seen, um, UFOs. Oh, really? And, yeah. It's in here. I got to highlight it. And he said that Skylab had seen, uh, UFOs. Well, the first, I think you talked about this, the first Mercury, we don't know if it was manned, but the rocket that lifted off, there was UFOs buzzing around it as it was going up. Yeah, they were getting radar signatures of something following it around, following yeah. it around. Um, and then there was a report, Apollo 11. I don't know if that's true or not. You can actually go online and they have the whole Apollo 11 mission online. You can listen to everything for the length of the mission, which was a week or something. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I think we've we've i think we've yeah let's let's wrap it up yeah thanks for joining me dr bill um thanks for listening to the latest episode of the alien probe podcast we welcome comments questions or requests to alien probe podcast at gmail.com visit us on facebook at alienprobe.net twitter at alien probe pod thanks to our senior producer robert anthony see you next time